Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems, and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. In today's session, I'll read to you my fictional account of a probable teenage conversation in the year 3000. This was inspired by Bob Monroe's visit to one probable version of the year 3000. Now, we always think about ourselves as living in the modern age, but the people living a thousand years from now will be the ancients, won't we? Imagine you're in the year 3000 AD and you overhear the comments of a couple of teenagers, Jack and Jill, who are studying what life was like in the 20th and early 21st centuries. Those comments might very well go something like this, and they may help to put things in a different perspective for us. So Jill speaks first. Jill, wouldn't it have been horrible to live back then, Jack? It's hard to believe, but people killed each other by the thousands because they thought they had a different view of what happens after death. That's something they called religion. Or because the bodies they were in had a different color. Or they had the same color body but spoke a different language. And Jack's response, well, Jill, you need to remember, and this requires that you stretch your imagination, but most people actually thought they were their bodies. They didn't realize that they were conscious spirits, temporarily in a body. A lot of them thought that when the body dies, that's it. That's the end of them. Nothing afterward. And Jill, you're right. It's hard to imagine. I can't believe they didn't realize that everyone and everything is connected at the spirit level. But they didn't, so they saw other people and other species as totally separate from them. Very few even suspected that they are part of a bigger self, let alone suspecting that other parts of their big self took on other roles in bodies that had a different sex and different colors doing all sorts of different things on this earth. I have to laugh when I think that some of them actually thought they were the roles they were playing in a particular body and actually looked down on spirits playing other roles in other bodies. And Jack, seems unbelievable. No wonder they could do so many horrible things to one another. But back then, remember, they also thought that to get energy and survive in the body, you had to kill and eat other species. They didn't have the slightest understanding of how to draw energy from the universe, something we take for granted. I'm told they didn't even understand that time and space and all the objects and events we experience when we're in our bodies are only illusions that everyone agrees on in order to, quote, play the earth game. They had a famous writer named Shakespeare living about that time, or maybe a century earlier, and he had written a famous line about all the world being a stage and the people just actors playing a role. But few of them ever suspected that this was the literal truth. And Jill, it seems silly now, but a lot of them apparently spent most of what was a normal lifetime of only 70 or 80 years trying to get what they called money, 
or land or other objects. I suppose that's reasonable when you consider they didn't know about the energy force fields we used to protect our bodies, so they lived in structures to protect them from the elements. And they needed these primitive vehicles that spouted deadly fumes in order to go from one place to another. They didn't know you could leave your body, travel instantly to anywhere, with just your consciousness, and then return safely. And Jack, that may be the toughest one of all. It's scary to even think of it. They actually thought their consciousness was locked into their bodies, so they couldn't go anywhere without dragging the body along. Many thought if their conscious mind left the body, they experienced nothing afterward. Their tiny little world was what they called life. They had a single term for what we know today to be the billions of other realities, many far more advanced and vibrant and exciting and loving than what they knew. Since they had no idea about all these other realities and no way to experience them firsthand, they were afraid of anything that might exist beyond what they called life. So they lumped these billions of glorious possibilities together in some kind of mysterious never-never land. The term they used was death. And Jill? And while they were limited, traveling in space, they didn't even know they could travel in time or visit realities in different frequencies. Which reminds me, next week we're supposed to start our preliminary time travels back to the 20th century. I know they take precautions to make sure it's safe, but frankly, I'm a little scared. That was a horrible time, and I'd hate to get stuck, even temporarily, in one of those low-density bodies they had back then. What if another one of them wanted to kill me while I was in a body? And Jack? Jill, you're forgetting that unlike now, there weren't a lot of bodies lying around in protected energy force fields that you could go into and use temporarily. If you merge with anything at all, it will probably be the consciousness of a plant or animal. Besides, if the body you merge with did get killed, you know you'd just jump out of it, either back to the present or into another probability, probability where the body doesn't get killed. No, it should be exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, that's the end of our fictional Jack and Jill scenario, and in our next session, we'll talk a bit more about the famous out-of-body traveler Bob Monroe. Again, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.